Hello and welcome to Weekly MTG. Uh, we have quite the show for you today. We are talking all about Strixhaven, doing all the Strixhaven stuff. And we have with us... We're talking about Kaldheim. I knew I would do that. Somebody check it off on the bingo card. We were just waiting. Bingo card. Waiting until bingo. it was going to happen. Like, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to get news call that for Strixhaven. I'm not going to do it. And then I did it. We're not talking about Strixhaven. We're not talking about Strixhaven. Literally spent a whole day writing Strixhaven copy. Yeah. God, we're going to do Kaldheim. We're going to talk about Kaldheim. Chad probably went crazy. They were like, oh my God, we're going to talk about Strixhaven. I know. I'm not. I'm not going to talk about Strixhaven. I am going to talk about Kaldheim. We are going to talk about Kaldheim. We being myself and Steve, who are uh, pretty much always here. Uh, but we have a special guest over there. It is Chris Peeler, uh, one of our social media managers. Chris, tell the folks at home what you do. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I am a social media and community manager here for Magic. I do a little bit of everything for all manner of social media things that we've worked on in the past. Uh, I've done some of our social marketing, and then I am also one of the regulars that you see tweeting and making posts from all of the official Magic accounts. So pretty much if it is, uh, if it's not esports and it's not uh, Magic Arena, I've probably had some hand in some of the social media stuff that we've done in the past. Uh, mm -hmm. I was the person who tweeted out the message that we were going live, for example. So yeah, yeah. that's me. Um, and we are going to spend, as you can see down at the bottom, we're going to spend time talking about previews from Kaldheim. I'm going to pause every time now before I say the set name. Uh, we are going to share a new preview just for you. Uh, but before we do all of that, Steve's going to do the news. That's right. It's news time. We're just going to go straight to the first graphic. If you hadn't heard by now, there was a ban this morning. It was in the pauper format. That's right. Ball from favor. Everybody's favorite blue common Removal spell that also gets you card advantage back by being the Monarch has been banned from Pauper. So if you are playing that card in your Pauper deck, potentially for some kind of tournament, perhaps in the near future, you're probably going to want to remove that before the tournament happens. Uh, but, you know, for more on this, you should definitely check out the Daily MTG article. There's a lot of good insight there as to why Fall from Favor was banned. So check that out on Daily MTG. And if you're looking for competitive Magic to watch this weekend, you are in luck. It is another League weekend for Magic the Gathering. It is Kaldheim League weekend. You can see the little Kaldheim uh, symbol right there. Uh, here's your broadcast team for that event. It starts at 8 a.m. Pacific time on January 16 and 17 live on twitch.tv slash magic. And many of the competitors, much like the previous League weekend, will also be streaming all of their matches. Uh, you can see more detail on this on magic.gg. There's a great viewer's guide that you can check out there, including who's playing, uh, what the standings are like for both Rivals and MPL. And on top of that, you'll be able to see, I think, some of the uh, the deck archetypes on there at some point. I don't know if it's up there yet. I'll double check. Uh, but the uh, format for this week is going to be historic. So you'll get to see some pretty amazing historic matches with a great broadcast team. If you want to see some really excellent competitive magic from the Rivals League and the MPL, you're going to want to tune in on January 16 and 17, starting at 8 a.m. It's really going to shake up the standings, hopefully, and we'll see what happens after this weekend. Finally, one other thing. We're going to show you some uh, some images with some cards that are coming up. That's right. It's Secret Layer Ultimate oh, hey. Edition 2. We had announced that it was coming on this very program a few weeks back. We showed you some of the pathways. Now that all of them have been revealed, here's the full suite of full art pathways that you'll be able to find in Secret Lair Ultimate Edition 2, and if you show the backside of that. Uh, and Blake, there is also an actual release date for Secret Lair Ultimate Edition 2, correct? Yeah, yeah uh, officially March 5th. So this is going to be available March 5th. Um, and, and again, I want to point out with these lands too, they've got uh, half of them, or not half, 60-40 split have art from Kaldheim, and the others have art from Zendikar. Basically, the ones that were in Zendikar have art from uh, the world of Kaldheim. The four that are in Kaldheim have art from the world of Zendikar. So if you are a big fan of completing artistic cycles, this is the product for you. Yeah, it's a very cool product. Tons of great art on there. So very check so. that out. Yeah. Um, and that's the news right. for this week. And that's the news. So let's let's talk Kaldheim. 
Kaldheim. Let's. We're on Kaldheim. Let's talk about Kaldheim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're gonna we're gonna spend uh, the first part of the show talking about some cards that have already been previewed. Um, we are saving some particularly spicy or interesting or controversial card controversial cards uh, for next week's show, where we have a couple of the designers coming on, uh, where Dave Humphreys and Melissa DeToro will be joining us. Uh, but today, three knuckleheads are going to just discuss some of our favorites and some stuff that is happening in the set. We will be taking your questions. Uh, we have a Q&A section kind of tagged at the bottom down there. But if you have questions, feel free to throw them in chat, and we will answer them as we're able to. Otherwise, let's bring up the first first cards. And these are a pair of giants that are doing some giant things. Healer. Share your thoughts on these with people at home. Yeah, so these were some that I wanted to bring up in part because uh, when I first started playing, it was right around the release of Shadowmoor. So Morning Tide had just come out, and uh, Giants were sort of like a kind of sort of supported tribe there for like definitely nothing like really constructive worthy, but they were like the casual fun cards. And that's what I super gravitated towards when I first started playing. Uh, I think Stink Drinker Daredevil was probably my favorite magic card for probably the first six months that I ever played the game. Uh, so seeing more cool giants is just like, it, it, it warms warms the cockles on my heart a little bit. But Quakebringer in particular, as, uh, as a devoted member of the Sulfuric Vortex fan club, uh, seeing that effect sort of kind of sort of stapled onto a, a big old 5'4 chunky boy is uh, definitely... Definitely pleasing to me. Looking forward to finding a home for that one, maybe in some <clears throat> red-green mid-range deck in standard, or possibly even just going all out and doing blue-red giants and commander. Now that we uh, also have a legendary giant that's out there in the wild in call time. Um, mm -hmm. Also, if you're super interested in uh, the the, there's some sort of weird funkiness with the templating on Quakebringer that uh, Aaron Forsyth just did a retweet a second ago from one of our editors, sort of talking about how the language got there on that card. Uh, basically, TLDR, uh, English is no good sometimes, and they had to find some real funky words to get that effect the way they wanted it to, but it's it's a fun one. I'm going to die so much to two, these two cards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I've died to Sulfuric Vortex a lot. I've died to um, Damage Doublers, you know, Calamity Bear. Yes, it needs a giant source, but they're, they're after... This set, there's definitely enough giants in standard to make my life miserable. Um, you know, the I'm drawing a blank. What's the one from um, Eldraine that's everywhere? And I can't believe it's Stomp is the adventure side. Oh, you're talking about yeah, Bone Crusher Giant? Yeah, yeah, Bone Crusher Giant. Yeah, Bone Crusher Giant. Bone Crusher Giant. Maybe the best card in standard. Stomping you in the face. Yeah. 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 The fact that that um, and, you know, to a lesser extent, Beanstalk Giant are both very playable cards and standard already means that Giants is going it, to, it's got a pretty good start going. We'll, we'll see where it goes from there. Um, yeah, then you also have, you know, lower cost shapeshifters that might be able to fill out your curve a little bit mm -hmm. if you really want to go all in on Giant Synergies. So that'll be fun times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, let's talk about Maskwood Nexus. So this is an artifact for four mana that reads creatures you control are every creature type. The same is true for creature spells you control and creature cards that you own that aren't on the battlefield. Uh, and it has an ability three and three and tap create a two two blue shapeshifter every or creature token with changeling. It is every creature type. Steve, thoughts on this one? This card's crazy. Like this card's insane. <laughs> I, like yeah. I, I, I don't really have anything else to say about it. I mean the, uh, so this is uh, this is reminiscent of a couple of enchantments that have come up in Magic's history. Conspiracy for one, and uh, mm -hmm. Arcane Adaptation for another. Right. So yep. uh, before this, Arcane Adaptation was printed in Ixalan, and Conspiracy was printed like way back in, uh, gosh, which one was it? Masks? I forgot. Was it Masks Block? Yeah, it came, it came, from, it came yeah. from Masks Block, yeah. Yeah, it was in Masks Block. So, look, uh, this card is an artifact. It has no color requirements. You can slot mm -hmm. it into any tribal commander deck. Uh, 
And on top of that, it combos with another card that we're going to look at today, which I think is just insane. But uh, I mean, this is this is a card that is going to go into a lot of tribal commander decks, especially ones that are short on tribes. Um, I can see this finding a place in a lot of Morophon commander decks where it's like, oh, I'd love to do a, you know, Salamander Wizard tribal commander deck. Uh, I could see this going into into that just to make all of your creatures Salamander Wizards um, and for you to have protection for, you know, using a uh, Gormaldrock. This is, uh, if you like shift, sh Shapeshifters, boy, is this the card for you. If you like tribal synergies, boy, is this the card for you. Um, I, I think this card is pretty insane uh but it's even more insane when we look at one of the other cards that i requested we talk about today which we will get to well and and what yeah. what else is interesting about this compared to those two enchantments you thought you mentioned is is those ones you named a creature type and everything was right. that creature type this one they're all creature types and yeah it's colorless so you can get some real weird i mean you can do some powerful things with just you know coat of arms but there are also a lot of tribal combos out there that you have to stick to that tribe where this lets you mix and match tribes and still do some weird things that you couldn't do before. Yeah, and also this is uh, this is pretty reminiscent of a Modern Horizons card that uh, Birthing Bows in that it, mm -hmm. it makes two, two shapeshifter tokens, right? It makes shapeshifter tokens and that's what Birthing Bows did. Uh, you know, so this is just a birthing bow sort of stapled onto a better conspiracy. Uh, this card's insane. Like, I think this card is actually just insane. I don't, I don't yeah. know what else to say about it. I'm looking forward to seeing it in action and seeing if my evaluation is correct. Uh, chat, if you think my evaluation is not correct, please do tell me. But I, I think this card is very, very, very good. Yeah, yeah lots of fun if you're looking. To, uh, oh yeah, no, that, I, yeah, just sort of building up what Steve was saying. Uh, also fun if you're looking for some of those ETB tribal triggers with um, mm -hmm. getting getting those tokens into play. Um, I'm super stoked. I mean, I, I have a Eureka deck, and that's a, a sort of a prime example of a deck that has a lot of tribal synergies. But there's a ton of great cards that are nowhere near the creature types you want. So this will mm -hmm. be nice just to have another redundant effect on top of uh, Xenograft, by the way, is the one everybody else missed just now. That is the other effect that will apply creature types all over the place. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to playing that one. Uh, although, you know, it's it's the kind of the kind of card that maybe not every tribal deck is going to want it, but especially in those, those situations where there are just some really key cards that don't have exactly what you're looking for, it's going to going to do wonders for you yeah or if you want to mix and match like have two tribes you know there's there's a bunch of cards yeah. in this set that mention giants or wizards uh and mm -hmm. so if you want to kind of mix and match that way and make a giant wizard deck for example uh there might not be enough giant wizards but you can probably mm -hmm. fill it out with enough giants and wizards plus this card to kind of bring it all together also, enabling party is cool, you know, so that's fun. Also does that. Yeah, works very well with party. All right, next card we're going to discuss is the World Tree, which has already gotten some commentary from oh, chat. Yeah. So the World Tree is a and land that enters. There's the card. There it is. <laughs> yeah, enters the battlefield tab, adds taps to add a green mana, and then as long as you control six or more lands, lands you control have tap, add one mana of any color, and then for... 10 total mana, two of each color. You can sacrifice the world tree and tap it. Search your library for any number of god cards, put them onto the battlefield, and then shuffle your library. Steve. Yeah. Uh, this seems like a pretty good card to pair with the card we just saw. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm oh, hey. Fancy that. Uh, thank you, Sean, for having these together. Uh <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tim. Tim, I see you in chat. For some reason, it's not letting me send message in chat, but uh, big, big shout out to Tim Willoughby, one of your commentators for the uh, league weekend, this upcoming weekend. Shout out to Tim's wheelbarrow in chat. Uh, this is this is insane. Like, okay, so you, I play this four mana artifact and then I pay this mana, which in commander seems like it would be kind of trivial. I've done that before a couple of times, more than a couple of times. I've done that before uh, where, okay, I'm just going to sacrifice this land and if you don't have a counterspell to counter a triggered ability, uh, or sorry, an activated ability, I just get every creature in my deck onto the battlefield. Uh, this this seems really insane. Uh, yeah. 
yeah, that, that's all. I've, that's all I've really got to say about it. I mean, our our producer Sean is a big fan of gods generally, so the World Tree seems like a uh, card that is tailor made for a lot of the decks that he puts together in Commander, which are centered around gods. But let's be real, Maskwood Nexus plus the World Tree, like this is, it's pretty insane, right? Yeah. So oh, let's all, let's also green. Like, God, yeah, it's just, it's just it's just solid land. Uh, let's talk a, real quick about this not being legendary because that's what Chad is asking about. Now we'll we'll ask uh, Dave and Melissa about this, but I have a feeling I know what they're going to say because we've talked a little bit about this publicly. So the the main gameplay reason is that R and D doesn't really like the way legendary lands play. Uh, it makes them difficult to put too many in a deck. Uh, playing one destroys the other. Uh, and, and so the flavor reasoning behind it is that this card represents not the actual physical world tree, but your mana, but tapping it for mana, but tapping into its connection. So multiple people can tap into the world tree, or you can have multiple connections to the world tree. That's the reasoning behind it. Uh, we'll talk more with Dave and Melissa about it next week. Uh, agree, disagree, but that uh, I believe is the thought behind it. Yeah, uh, chat brings up that there was an episode of Good Morning Magic that Gavin recently put out that also talks about that. Um, similar set of reasoning. Yeah, uh, legendary lands are not super fun, uh, and it really makes deck building a challenge. Um, so yeah, no, check that out if you're looking for more info. Yep, absolutely. All right, next up, let's look at Reckless Crew. Reckless Crew oh, is a yeah. sorcery for three generic mana and a red that creates X21 red dwarf berserker creature tokens, where X is the number of vehicles you control plus the number of equipment you control. For each of those tokens, you may attach an equipment you control to it. Peeler, what do you think? Oh, uh, so I was definitely the one who suggested putting this on the show and uh, like. Not, I'm not like you know super gung ho about uh, vehicle and equipment strategies. It's not, it's not the sort of thing that that speaks to the pit of my soul. But what does is uh, the dwarf in the center there. I just, I just love this guy. Just look at this guy. Look at him having a good time with his big beard, hanging out with all of his pals. Like that's just, that's a strong 2021 energy that I want to bring into the world. <laughs> uh, and that's that's really all I had to say. Sorry. I mean. I don't, you know, you're, you, you, Blake said knuckleheads at the top of the show. I don't know what you were expecting. This knucklehead just really likes that dwarf. So that's, that's all there is to it. Well, and it's also a, a recent uh, push that the studio has been making to make red and white, especially the colors that care about equipment. And, and this is a gr really great way to do it. And it's also, this is one of those cards that, there's this balancing act you have to make when you're creating a deck full of equipment and equipment matters cars. Because if you draw too many equipment, you don't have any creatures to put them on. You draw too many creatures, you don't have the equipment to boost them. And this one kind of nicely serves as all the creatures you need for a bunch of equipment. And you can do a lot of, uh, and because the equipment attaches free, you can do a lot of cool things with like Colossus Hammer and things like that. Yeah, no, that that is a that is a great point. That uh, the a lot of the equipment decks sort of run into a similar issue with like ramp decks, where you either have like too many enablers or too many payoffs. And this is a nice way to sort of like smooth that over a little bit and just guarantee that if you're sitting around with a bunch of really cool toys and nothing to do, uh, Reckless Crew is there just to get in there and start swinging. Yeah. All right. Next up in a set full of just truly metal names. We have one of the most metally metally named cards. Yep. Yeah. All right. We're going to go with Metallic that. Gonna keep stumbling. Yeah, I don't know. We're just going to keep stumbling over words today. We're just going to we're just going to go that direction. Eradicator Valkyrie is the next card we're going to look at uh with some fantastic art from Tyler Jacobs in there as well. It is a four mana, two black and a black Angel Berserker. Flying Lifelink, Hexproof from Planeswalkers. It's a 4-3, and it has a boast ability of one in a black, sacrifice a creature. Each opponent sacrifices a creature or Planeswalker. Steve, your thoughts? This card's very good. That's that's my first thought. I uh, 
you know, a lot of what I do when I evaluate a new set, uh, just from a personal standpoint, is I try to figure out which cards are going to uh, be good upgrades for, for my cube, right? Uh, I think this is a very, very solid creature. It feels it feels like the ba uh, the black version of Baneslayer Angel in some ways, right? Like, it's uh, it's got a really solid stat line. It's got keyword soup up top and, like, a very, very relevant ability uh, at the bottom, right? Sacrifice a creature, its opponent sacrifices a creature, or Planeswalker. Um, I'm really excited to see what this card can do in the limited format. Um, it's obviously going to be a bomb, but how often are you able to activate Boast, right? Uh, do you need a lot of fodder for it? Is it good without Boast? I suspect that it is, but uh, potentially not. Hexproof from Planeswalkers is really, really good in a powered cube with a lot of Planeswalkers, um, but not so great in a regular limited format where basically it doesn't have any text there. Right, the chances that you're going to run up against a Planeswalker in this format that can actually interact with Eradicator Valkyrie is seems like it would be pretty low. So um, I'm really interested to see how this card ends up playing in a limited format. Um, four three flying lifelinker for four, very very good stat line. We'll play it every time. Uh, but for me, it's that how often you're going to be able to trigger that, uh, and how how often and how efficiently you're going to be able to trigger that boast ability. Is going to be uh, is going to make or break this card for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you mentioned the hexproof from Planeswalkers being kind of trinket text and limited, but it you know that same thing with Baneslayer Angel, which a lot of people don't remember, has protection from demons and dragons. So right. um, that that little throw in there is flavorful. But yeah, I think I think you're right that it's going to depend a lot on this boast ability. Um, there's not a ton of Planeswalkers in standard, at least, that interact with this card. As you pointed out, Ashiok can attempt to bounce it, and um, yeah, ex exactly. So you know, Teferi could phase it out. So uh, that's as long as Planeswalkers aren't able to straight up kill creatures, it's probably not going to be super relevant. Uh, at least that not that line. But the times where it will be relevant are going to be uh, very very good. And like I said, I see this card being much more of a player in like potentially some cubes that have a really heavy Planeswalker theme. I see it being mm -hmm. uh, somewhat relevant in commander decks that are sacrifice-based, right? I mean, yep. uh, we just had Kulfenor the Last You get printed. This is potentially a pretty good card for that deck. So, yep. uh, you know, I think there's a lot that can be done with this card. It just, and I think it's very good. I feel like it may struggle to find a home if people are looking to utilize all aspects of the text box. But, you know, 4-3 Flying Lifelinker is still real good at 4. So, you know. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's also kind of cool that we we've, we've not had mono black angels for quite some time. We've had some white black ones, but uh yeah, so the return of mono black angels is is very metal. There you go. Mm -hmm. That that actually, that phrasing worked. Um <clears throat> let's let's stick with the angel theme but move on to white and talk about Starnheim Unleashed. So this is a white four mana sorcery for two and two white that creates a four four white angel warrior creature token with flying and vigilance. So basically a Sarah angel token. If this spell was foretold, create X of those tokens instead. And the foretell cost is XX white. Peeler, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so this was one that I, I mean, very similar to Steve, I look at a lot of these new cards and I think about it in context of, of Cube, which is a, a format that I really love. And I've sort of been tinkering and updating my Cube for the better part of a decade. And this seems like a really great one. Uh, part of part of what we like to talk about a lot when we talk about sort of like set design, Cube design, is this, this idea of like card flexibility, you know, where there's a lot of different modes and ways that this plays out that can really maximize its effectiveness. Like... Uh, being able to curve out into a four mana Sarah Angel effectively is great. And then uh, the situations where it just doesn't make sense to line up your curve that way, and you'd prefer just to sort of tuck it away on turn two and then maybe bring it back on, you know, turn five with, you know, or so let me see here. Yeah, math hard, you know, two, <laughs> yeah, turn five with two angels uh, or even, even more if you need it. Uh, that's just a good time. That's. Uh, That'll, that'll end some games right quick. So I'm looking forward to slotting some, uh, yeah, putting this into the into the cube and figuring out where it really shines yeah, I, the most. 
I also think that this is one of those cards that uh, that falls into a theme that we've seen white mythics have in the past. You know, uh, the the one that comes to mind immediately because I'm old is uh, Entreat the Angels, right? When uh, Addison restores oh, the miracle. That's not that's not old. You got to go back to Decree of Justice, Steve. Okay, fine. When the Decree of Justice, I people oh, cycle God. Decree of Justice way more than they cast it, right? Like, and that's just one one character. Like, yeah, I didn't forget about Decree of Justice, but like, it's. I think for white mythics specifically, like we just had Amarius call, right mm -hmm. in uh, in Zendikar uh, Zendikar Rising, and I think that a lot of those types of effects are very powerful. But seeing them over and over again can make you dismiss them as not powerful. I don't think that people should necessarily sleep on the strategy of this card for either constructed or for limited. I think for limited, it's going to be an absolute powerhouse. But mm -hmm. um, you know, I could see potential. Uh, potential applications for this and constructed as well. Like, like Chris said, curving out on a four, 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 uh, can be really powerful in white weenie decks. If that ends up being a strategy, right? Maybe this is too expensive for white weenie. I don't know. We'll have to see, but I think it's, um, it is definitely a mistake to dismiss this just because we've seen this effect before on other cards. Yeah. Uh, definitely. It is, it is very powerful. Like the, the effect of putting four, four angels into play is still very powerful. So, um, you know, for yeah, what it's worth. being able to tuck it away, protect it from discard, all that kind of good stuff. That's always an added benefit. Right. Well, and it's, it, it is worth noting too, that there is an angel tribal element in this set. So it also kind of depends mm -hmm. on how good are the other angel support cards. And I'm completely forgetting the name of it, but there is a, uh, black white saga that, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That um, its its second effect has a ton, like it gets it scales really well with the more angels you have. So if you're already playing that card, this card might make sense as just an additional way to chunk a bunch of angels into play and just sort of kill your opponent's board when the time comes. So I, I think there's some synergies that can match up. And I did a quick check too on just other angels in standard. Uh, to see what kind of angel tribal deck. You, it, it, there's a couple Bane Slayers currently in standard. Um, Legion Angel is interesting and hasn't really found a home. Um, angel of Destiny is interesting. It's, it's another mythic that has a big splashy effect, but uh, doesn't really have a home. So it, there's a possibility that angel tribal gets some play in some space, but uh, we'll have to see what the rest of the set has to hold. And keep in mind, yeah. if you foretell this on two, you can cast it on three. Like you, you can. can have a four four Sarangel on three. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So you know it's it is it is an interesting card. I think that it's got uh, some potential application here. But uh, yeah, I do think it's easy for us to as players, especially, to look at and be like, oh, this is like White's you know token angel card. No pun intended. Uh, like that puts <laughs> angel tokens into play. I think it's pretty easy for us to take a look at it and just be like, yeah, this is like, we've seen this before. Let's, let's move on. I think this is a very good version of that card. Yeah. Also, it has a really, really sweet, uh, full art version that, uh, that exists. Oh, and there's, there's the retribution. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The full art, yeah. both the art on both versions of Starnhound and Unleashed are fantastic. But yeah, here's that, uh, that retribution card. Thanks producer Sean. Um, where you get an angel on, on the first level and then the second one, angels have the ability to destroy weaker creatures. And, and again, the more angels you have, the more that turns into a one-sided board wipe. And then angels you control gain double strike. I mean, if you have two angels from Starnheim Unleashed, one from Verge's Retribution, they're just dead. You kill all their creatures and then you kill them. And so I, I think there could be something here. You're, you got to find stuff to fill out the lower end of the curve, but there could be something here. And, you know, one of the things that I think it's important for us to note is that we're talking about the ceiling on these cards. Obviously, there is a floor, but when you're talking about that four mana retribution spell, uh, not retribution, mm -hmm. when you're talking about the four mana spell, uh, the floor is you get a four, four flying vigilant angel. It's yeah. a pretty good floor <laughs> for like four, yep. like, or five mana um yep so you know i think i think when you're talking about ceilings and floors obviously the potential is super high for both of those cards but if the floor is you get a four four vigilant flying angel 
in limited at least that is still a really yeah. good that's an extremely good floor and in standard that's like a pretty okay floor right so yep okay. all right let's move on to cyclone summoner cyclone summoner let's throw that we got another giant up in here yeah and a so wizard. this is a, a, one of those giant wizards we were talking about so it's a seven mana five and two blue uh giant wizard when cyclone summoner enters the battlefield if you cast it from your hand return all permanents to wait that says all permanents to their owner's hands except for oh it says except for lands man i just had a little aneurysm uh, <laughs> i had upheaval flashbacks there for a second okay except for giants wizards and lands uh and yeah, and it's a seven seven. So uh, I, don't, I don't remember. We'll go Peeler. Peeler, why don't you start with this one? Hey, I mean, it's another big giant. Those are always good times. Um, I'm trying to think here. This this really does remind me a lot of the like. There's there's been a lot of uh, sort of like sideways support for uh, big sea creature tribal throughout the years, mm -hmm. and this sort of yeah. like another riff and a variation on that. Um, being able to do it for giants and wizards is uh it's a it's a funky combination i think that's one of the cooler things especially with like decks that care about wizard synergies is that you don't have a ton to do on the high end normally like if you're not doing some ridiculous set of plays and casting like four spells at once like a deck that has some wizard synergies is probably just like chilling out in the like three to five mana range just doing its thing and so this mm -hmm. is a really fun way to sort of go over the top and just end the game right there yeah yeah the two cards this makes me think of uh one is is realm cloak giant because it's got a similar effect where it that card destroys all non-giant creatures on the adventure side uh but also uh you were talking about the high casting cost support thrix the sudden storm is a oh five yeah mana, yeah flash flying five six spells you cast with converted mana cost five or greater cost one to let one less to cast and can't be countered this takes all those boxes. Thrix also happens to be a giant, it's worth noting. Oh, yeah. That's good times right there. That's, yeah, that's what's the, the best the against, uh, against this giant? That would be Maskwood Nexus. Maskwood <laughs> Nexus makes you don't care. It does everything. I'm just saying. Like, that card's really good. That's my, that's my pick for yeah, one of the best. It does everything, yeah. It's just like, look, look at this. It doesn't matter. Like, if you have a Masswood Nexus in play, it's like, great, you paid seven mana for a 7-7 seven, seven that has absolutely no effect. Congratulations. And now I'm just going to tap three and get a 2-2 two, two to block your guy every turn. Come to on. be like, fair, so it returns all permanence, so it will bounce yeah. the Masswood yeah, Nexus. Yeah. Uh, you got to say goodbye to that Nexus. Yeah, it will return the Nexus. I got to trace Buster, Buster, Buster. All right. <laughs> Anyone got that reference? Congratulations. All right, let's move on because we we do want to leave some time both for our preview card and for questions. Let's talk about Tybalt's Trickery. I think this is a ah, card yes. that we are going to talk about next week too because there is a lot going on in this card. So this is a two mana, one in a red, instant. It says counter target spell. Now just stop there. It is a red card that says counter target spell. These have existed before, but they've been like guttural response was a thing. Uh, you know, obviously the red elemental blast, but this is, this is, yeah, Peeler, your, your reaction was about accurate. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So it says choose one, two, or three at random. Its controller mills that many cards, then exiles cards from the top of their library until they exile a non land card with a different name than that spell. They may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Then they put the exiled cards on the bottom of their library in a random order. Steve, unpack this for us. Uh, this card's insane. Like I said that about Maskwood Nexus too, but this is on a different level for constructed level strategies. Uh, as chat I'm sure is pointing out right now, I feel like this card is really, really gross with Cascade. Um, like actually just insane uh you know like cascading countering your your own spells doing those shenanigans because like it doesn't say counter target spell an opponent control it says counter target spell so the ability to just go off with this card in uh eternal constructed formats seems like it's going to be pretty busted 
you know, a counterspell in red, yeah, okay, fine. But like the 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 text that I'm seeing is your opponent, the the controller of the spell that you counter gets to cast a free spell, essentially. Uh, this mm -hmm. is just like it's basically what like a chaos warp counter spell that has more upside if you counter your own spells in the right constructed deck. Like this card is very very good in the right shell, um, mm -hmm. and I think that's an understatement as to what it can do. Uh, I, I fully expect to see a lot of brews around this card, not just for uh, not just for eternal formats, but possibly for standard even. Um, probably this card is ridiculously busted in modern. Is my is my you know first glance uh, evaluation? Yeah, there, there might be it, it, people smarter than I am will be the ones to bust this card if it's bustable. Um, there are a couple things that. There are a couple knobs in there they clearly put in there to make it not entirely reliable. The first one is it mills a random number of cards uh, off the top of your library. So it makes it much harder to set up, especially since most things that look at the top of your library or put things on the top of your library deal with the top three cards. So it's not always reliable to, to set that up. Um, it hits any non-land card. So if your deck is full of things meant to set up your ability to cast Tibble Trickery, you can very easily hit some of those setup cards. So I don't know. It, it is uh, it is very intriguing, and it has it has all of those hallmarks of like. But what if? Yeah, no. This is always it's fun being in my position in preview season because like I will take a look at some of these cards before they get into the world, and you know I'm looking at this thinking, oh, it's like it's like a chaos warp, but a counterspell and. Tybalt is holding his hands out like the character select screen from Golden Axe, and my brain is just <laughs> wet. Um, and uh, I'm like, oh, that's that's cool. And then as soon as this card hits the wild, I'm just seeing like everybody talking about all the you know weird combos you can do in in, in different formats, and like, oh, cool, time to find another way to put Ulamog into play, and just things that I never ever would have thought of, uh, probably because I still have Golden Axe rattling around in my brain instead of cool <laughs> magic combos. Chris has an encyclopedic knowledge of old video games and it's that's true. Yeah. That that right there was a a pretty good summary of what a lot of our conversations with with Chris go like. Uh yeah. let's continue with <laughs> uh Usher the Fallen. Usher. Oh yeah, this is one I wanted to bring up just because uh, yeah. I I am also like the number one Savannah Lions fan probably of all the people that are in this in this stream right now. Uh, yeah, and this is, is a cool one because yeah, yeah, uh, it is it is a, a Savannah Lions that prevents you from having the the problem of the like oh my hand doesn't curve out perfectly sort of situation where uh, if you have a really great one drop and then like your best three and four drops in the deck you know there are some some hands especially like again thinking back to cube where it's just like it's just not going to be good enough but being able to drop this on one have something relevant to do on turn two and then keep curving out is really great so you know the floor is still pretty high because you know elite vanguard savannah lions that's good mm -hmm. in a lot of different aggressive white weenie sort of strategies uh and then yeah, just being able to make your curve a little bit more consistent is uh, it's good times. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Yeah. All right. We're going to, we're going to continue on quickly because I want to leave time to talk through our preview card oh, yeah. and questions. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to go, we're, producer Sean, we're going to skip ahead to our last card we wanted to discuss. Oh, I want to yeah. get this in here because <laughs> I want to make we sure that uh, yeah. we do have a preview card. Uh, I want to make sure that Steve gets to do his joke. So the next card yeah. we have up is Alrun's Epiphany. We did talk about this last week. And we, I don't, did, we did talk uh, about this. This is so more an, just, an indication I, of how I can't spell and how I can't <laughs> type. Uh, like, yeah. So I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew. So back in October, we were taking a look at all the cards in the set. Uh, trying to come up with with fun jokes and different sort of post ideas for social media. And uh, as soon as Steve saw this card, within about 45 seconds, he made the time squawk joke. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that we captured that. You can see the timestamp at the bottom right of the screen cap that I took. Uh, let the world know that uh, 
the peanut gallery starts inside Wizards, and uh, everybody else doing it. Everybody else doing it like you are. You are among good company because that is yes. also exactly what we're doing. To everybody that has that has made that joke, I salute you. Well done. It's the best mm -hmm. joke. Please, please call this card time all the time, every day, one hundred percent. It's the best. Uh, so we do have a we do have an actual preview though, right? We do have an actual preview card. Let's move on to it. So as as uh, people have been seeing today, we've started revealing, and I think this finishes it, uh, a cycle of uncommon lands that all have an activated ability. Uh, that's that's they're they're all pretty powerful. So. Uh, let's start first by checking out the art for this card. This art has Good been show. seen before, but it, it's, it has. Uh, we haven't been. Card that's related to it yet. Yeah, and I'll, we'll give the artist's name in a second. I need to be looking at it, and because it's it's Russian and difficult to pronounce, but we'll give the artist's name in a moment. Uh, let's look at the art description. Uh, Istfel is a mist-shrouded realm at the base of the world tree. This is where spirits go after death, and they are not allowed to leave. We want you to design the Norse-inspired gates of Istfel. This is the only entrance to Istfel, which is, which is encircled by both a river and a massive rune-carved wall built by giants. So now let's take a look at the land. Gates of Istvel. Enters the battlefield tapped. Tap it to add white mana, and then for a two, a white, and two blue, you can tap and sacrifice Gates of Isfel to do my favorite things. You gain two life and draw two cards. That art, by the way, is by Anastasia Ovchinikova. Ovchinikova? Pretty close. The, uh, the Blake Rabbit Invitational. That's why I needed to read it, because, yeah. Anyway. Of course, Blake yeah. is the Mulder Thriller Thank you, chat. Thank you. That's not an accident. I might manage the preview plan. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Muldrifter land, gain two, or Cloudblazer land, if you will, too. Gain two life, sacrifice two or draw two cards. So this is a potentially powerful option for some white-blue control decks. Early on, it's a land, comes into play tapped. Later on... It's a draw spell and life gain spell. So I think, uh, and, and if you haven't seen them yet, uh, we have previewed the other, not we, other outlets around the internet have previewed the Uncommon Lands, and they all do some pretty powerful things. So I think we'll be seeing a lot of these in Standard to come. Now with the, uh, the time... We... I'm sorry, what? <laughs> How long have you been planning that? That's awesome. What? I don't know what you're. Oh, this. Oh, just, just yeah. a little something I had. You know, just. You know. <laughs> well done. Uh, all right. Uh, with the time we have left, uh, we are going to answer as many of your questions as we can. So go ahead and put questions in chat. Uh, we may or may not have the answer. We may or may not know the answer. The answer may not be public yet, uh, but we will listen to what you have to ask and we will try to share it. So um, let's see, let's start with this one. Are all the gods based on gods from Norse mythology? Does each one have a direct inspiration? You know, I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to look directly at the gods. I think so, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. You know, you often that question for next week, I think. Yeah, save it for next week. Yeah. Oftentimes, um, in sets that come with a lot of top-down design like that, sometimes even top-down designs will kind of amalgamate multiple things. Or right. if the source material... Um, is fuzzy on exactly where um, the inspiration came from. There might, you know, we might choose one over the other. You know, you can, for example, um, the the, um, the Tybalt god is obviously inspired by Loki, but Tybalt himself 
is not Loki inspired. Tybalt was a thing. He takes the guise of something very much like Loki. So obviously there's a lot of inspiration, but um, I'd have to look at the full card set. But yeah, definitely save it for later. Whoa, okay, lots of questions. Here we go. Let's see. What is the price of Ultimate Edition 2? Fair question. Um, we we don't share that. You'll you'll find out now that we've released the release date, I expect that stores will start posting the prices soon. Um uh, from Darngan, why do so many lands have entered the battlefield tapped? Uh, because it's uh, quite frankly. If a land enters the battlefield untapped and does not have a significant drawback, it becomes just better than a basic land in most instances. So, for example, our preview card, there's no reason to play planes over that card if it comes into play untapped and has all the same text. So, um, Enter the Battlefield Tapped is one of the best ways to balance lands that make colored mana. Will there be Aurochs in the set? Uh, no. Nope. Yeah, not this nope. time. I think I also saw a question about centaurs. Don't think there are any centaurs in this set either. Nope. Last time I checked. Nope. Uh, will we see more troll cards? I don't know where we are in the preview plan with regards to trolls. They're, one of the realms has trolls. Um, they are not, not one of the... Yeah, yeah, uh, they're, they're not... Hey, look at that. Um, however, unlike giants and angels and elves, uh, they're not uh, super supported as a tribal type. So there are more, but not like extensively more. Yeah, there's probably at least one or two more incidental trolls, which conveniently mm -hmm. is also what I call skating most of the time, incidental Yeah, trolls. that's true. Except I'm not yeah. accidental. Uh, the somebody asked, "Is there anything you can tell us about Strixhaven?" Yes, I can tell you that Blake will confuse Strixhaven to Callheim at least one more time during Callheim preview season. So, yeah. so here's the deal: yeah. I'm I'm going on uh, paternity leave sometime soon, so I'm working ahead on a bunch of stuff. And last week we had this exact conversation before the debut stream. Or is like I am one hundred percent going to say Strixhaven when I mean Callheim. It's going to happen, and I made it through the entire debut without doing it. So I'm like, "Whoo, that's behind me." And then I opened this stream, having spent most of the morning writing some Strixhaven content, and immediately said Strixhaven multiple times, not once, but multiple times. It's going to happen again, but that's not where we are. Uh, somebody asked if there will be snow wastes. Uh, and I assume in this set was the was the thing. No, there will not be snow waste in this set. Yep. Yeah, um, seeing a lot of just general like sort of nitty gritty design questions. So keep all of those in mind next week when we have uh, Dave and Melissa here on board. Um, we are way way less informed on on the high level design things than Studio X. Yeah, this is the wrong crew to ask about uh, nitty gritty design stories, but we will be getting into a lot of those next week with Dave Humphries and Melissa DeTora, so you should come back and watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is there a chase mythic yet to be spoiled? Uh, let me see what we have. I think there are more mythics. I can actually... There is definitely a... There's, there's a funky one that has yet to be previewed. That is going to come out early next week. So keep in mind for that one. All right. I mean, yeah, there are. Let's let's see what we got left for mythics. Oh yeah, I know which one you're talking about there, Peeler. Yep. There's another mythic. There's another mythic. Yeah. There's there's still some there's still some mythics yet to come. We'll get to them, but there's there's still some spicy ones left. We are not done by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, does Steve have a mug with his face on it? Question mark. It's got two faces on it. It's got my face, but also Blake's face. Ah. Yeah. Ah. There we go. <laughs> uh, why does the uncommon land cycle not have a gate subtype? Because we are not on. Uh, that's what I want to know. I want, I know I want you more do. gate. Yeah, I mean, it is literally gate subtype. Come on. Yeah. That's what I'm uh, going to ask, let's... David. Why no gate subtype? Yeah. 
Uh, they're an uncommon land for all 10 color combinations or just five in total. Uh, so they actually, lands, lands, lands. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I'm going to answer this one moment. Uncommon lands. So, sure, I can um, do it. One, two. Oh, man. Uh, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are 10 uncommon lands. It should be, it should be 10. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there are 10 uncommon lands. Duh, 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 duh. So, yeah, probably haven't seen all of them yet. And that is, that is okay. Uh, Will the saga stories be revealed? So we don't have any plans right now to specifically do stories for each of the sagas or anything like that. Uh, what we do have lore-wise, of course, we have the stories on Wednesdays. So there's one up from yesterday. Uh, and then on Fridays as well. And then um, there are some, uh, there's a three-part series of like Planeswalker guides for uh, the set that are by Ari. I think the first one has gone up and the second one was maybe- Second one just went up today. Yep. Perfect, yeah. Uh, and then there'll be a third one next week. And then there's also an article talking about the legends of the set. So uh, there will be some details shared on some of those stories, but nothing specifically on the saga stories. Yeah, and uh, sort of like with previous sets, the sagas in Kaldheim are all depicting things that have happened in Kaldheim's past. So mm -hmm. I'm sure there's going to be some references to those stories as, you know, they're covering things that are happening in the here and now of Kaldheim. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, a lot of that is the myths and legends and history of the plane itself. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Um, going through here. Where is the true Valky? Just have to just have to read on. Uh, when does the full set trailer release? Excellent question. That is coming on. Uh, please check me on this January twenty sixth at the New Correct. York Game Awards. Yeah, we did it. Correct. Yeah, so Correct. New York Game Awards January twenty sixth will have the full set trailer, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, when do time spiral previews start? Later. We'll talk about that later. Do, 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 do. If you guys have other questions you see, jump on it. Oh, will there be more Praetors in the set? Nope. 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 Mm -hmm. Nope. I'll see here. There were, there were some oh, questions there. On the last December, you were asked what your favorite card of the set was. Has that card been revealed yet? Yes. Uh, we revealed it, in fact, on Christmas Eve. It's uh, it's Ratatosk the uh, or not Ratatosk what the, what whatever the name of the legendary Tusk. squirrel is. Tusky. Tusky. Yep. Tusky. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. Ratatosk uh, analog. But yeah, Tosky is my favorite card in the set just because I like the art. I like the uh, I like the fact that it's a legendary squirrel. I think it's fun. I like how mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. But there yeah, are a lot no, of. Uh, uh... Oh, go on. Yeah, oh, boy, I'm still no, I'm was... still catching up. <laughs> I know that we have, if you don't, if you don't want to do the cop-out shapeshifter answer, uh, <laughs> I believe the uncommon giant legend that got previewed, or no, sorry, I forget if it was the uncommon or the rare, or if it's uncommon or rare, but three CMC, there is a three CMC giant, so I think that's as small as they get. Last time um, people asking about the runes. The runes are coming. They are coming on... I'm on the 19th. So Previous you can stop living for them. Previous season is not over. Uh, they are scheduled for the 19th as of now. Is there a legendary for every tribe in Kaldheim? Um... So I know for like some of those, those tribes that we sort of said are like incidentally supported. Like I don't think there's a legendary troll. Last I checked. Yeah, I don't think I don't think uh, there is a legendary troll. Yeah, there is. There's some. I think for for the ones that get a little bit more major support, but you know, mm -hmm. stay tuned. There's still more to check out. Yep. Uh, when will the January State of Arena be released? Uh, we're I think targeting next week. Sometime. Yeah. Yep. It's next week. Sometime. Next week. 
What's the biggest converted mana cost dwarf? What's the smallest converted mana cost giant? Oh, you answered that one already. Not sure about the biggest dwarf, though, but it's probably yeah, the I don't biggest know Biggest dwarf. It's no, hard to win. When previous season is not over, we, uh, it's harder to answer these questions. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, don't know. Also, like I am. Yeah, I am. I am not the uh, the old the old Oracle bubble. Like I, I, I don't have quite that much encyclopedic knowledge about the new I'm, sets. I'm checking it out. I'm checking it out right now on Gatherer, just because I'm curious. All right. Uh, there is a six mana dwarven lightsmith. That's yeah. Oh, but it's it's a little cheaty because it has assist, so it's it's a battle bond card, which means nobody's ever paying six mana for it. But anyway, okay. Um, all right, we are just about out of time. Which uncommon land is your favorite, Blake? I have no idea which one it could be. The one we just previewed. To be to be clear, I don't think it's the most powerful i think it's fine i think you might play one maybe two of it in a control deck it is competing with um with the uh well the castles and also um what the the modal double face card that i'm drawing a blank and that we were talking about earlier that makes angels uh so it's competing with both of those oh. cards in white blue decks uh so you might play one. Um, I, I do think there are other versions of the uncommon lands that are more powerful than this one, even though it is my favorite. Uh, yeah, Ninja Boy 333, you can get a random shout out. There you go. Uh, uh, why not? And again, all the people that are asking, is this in the set? Is this in the set? Previous season is not over. Yeah, it's not over. There's not a lot of time. Yeah, pre-con. Uh, uh, here, here's a decent question: When are we doing the pre-con deck lists for Kaldheim? So the the commander pre-constructed deck lists. Yeah. Uh, those deck lists will be up uh, next week on the twentieth. Yep. Yes. Um, all right. I think we are going to call it there. It is three twenty-nine. Here you go. Is Black Lotus in the set? I can answer that question. No, it is not. Ha. Ah, all right. Um, I want to thank uh, Chris Peeler for coming on the show. Uh, again, reminder, he is one of the faces and fingers behind our social media accounts. So say hi to him on a lot of, like, basically any social media account. But, you know, a lot of our main ones, yeah. uh, Chris focuses a lot on tabletop magic and, and that sort of area. And we had Megan on last week yeah. as digital. Also, uh, get used to seeing their smiling faces because when I go on paternity leave, they're going to be stepping in to do some co-hosting duties here with Steve. So yeah, Chris will be, be back. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. Gonna... You'll be seeing more of me. So figure out for yourself what that means, if that's a good or a bad thing. You know, I'll, I'm not your dad. You decide. <laughs> uh, thanks, everyone, for the congratulations. That, that's also really nice. We're, we're very excited to have... Two more babies, identical twins. It's gonna, it's gonna be so weird. It's gonna be so weird. Oh, really man, I can't wait for you to get back. Gonna, I, I know. It's be My first show back. I'm just gonna be like, you guys, you guys. Mm -hmm. This is. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to put like. Uh, we're gonna have to mock up a, uh, like, Blake before, uh, having twins, and then like Blake after having twins, like side by side, and one of them just, will just be yeah. with like. Welcome just black bags you. under my eyes. Like, yeah. my two-year-old's already having sleep issues, and they haven't even come yet. So sleeping is not a thing that I'm going to do in, in the future. We're not naming it's them Will and Rowan. Like, you're, you're getting two kids instead of one. It, it's what? It's your fault because you like Muldrifter so much, you're getting two kids instead of one. You're drawing two. You're literally drawing two. <laughs> I'm drawing two. That's, that's good. <laughs> Twins run in my family. We have... My brother and sister are twins. My dad's a twin. It's that's weird, man. It's weird. Okay, that's enough of my personal life. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Caldheim uh, previews are continuing through next week. Uh, make sure you check out the where to find Caldheim 
previews article on daily to see where all the previews are. Um, you can also just find them all around the internet. Magic Internet has a ton of them everywhere right now. So check that stuff out. We will be back next week, as I said, with Dave Humphreys and Melissa DeTora, two of the minds behind Kaldheim. They will answer all of your questions. They're going to address a bunch of the uh, the cards that have been conversation pieces. Uh, they're going to talk about some pretty cool aspects of the set and just answer a bunch of questions. So be sure to come back next week, especially if we weren't able to answer your questions today. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Steve. And uh, we will see you next week.